There's a SWAT team, there's 40 or 50 police cars, they've got guns, they're surrounding your house, and they just took out John in handcuffs. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. Before we get going, I'm always asking this. Share this episode with at least three people you're going to want to because we bring on amazing guests all the time and today is no different because Darcy has worked as a director for a U.S. Senator, a deputy transition director for a governor, and was on the national advance team for two U.S. presidential campaigns. But here's the thing. She's also author of Thoroughly Fit, sorry, Thoughtfully Fit, where she explains the trauma of her husband's arrest for sexual assault. What an interesting life to have led over the past couple years. But Darcy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rick. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's uh, uh, as I'm looking at you too. Uh, you're from Madison, right? I know the CrossFit yeah. Games are there, but you're you're a triathlon. I Athlete. am. That, I am. That's incredible. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I always like to ask these personal questions too. You know, uh, when did you start getting into that? Because then we'll dive into all the amazing stuff you've done and you are doing. But this is one of those, right? When did you get into that? So I, I just finished my 23rd season of doing triathlons. Oh, yeah. It didn't look the like only, you were an amateur. <laughs> yeah, the only season I missed was when uh, my second daughter was born that summer. I, I wow. didn't do one that year. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, what's the training regimen for something like that? Well, um, it depends. So when I did the full Ironman, I trained for 55 weeks. Wow. And it was intense uh, you know uh, we'd build for three weeks and then come back uh, uh bring it down for a week and then build three and then come down um now i do mostly sprint and olympic distances because i'm a single mom and i don't have time to train to do a full iron man at this life stage yeah. so that's a lot more um it's not quite so overwhelming i train six days a week um oh, run cool. by yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> no doubt so your book is thoughtfully fit and this ties into the single momness right and uh, i mean there's some amazing things that you've done i mean i read them off during, while i introduced you and so we'll dive into some of those too but let's talk about your book what did you go through and how, why did you write this I, I wrote the book, Rick, because spending a couple decades in politics, um, I witnessed so many people who had a passion and they had a message and they wanted to make an impact in the world, but they didn't know how to handle themselves thoughtfully. And so mm -hmm. they would have protests and they'd come into the senator's office and they'd demand and there'd be conflict and they didn't get the results that they wanted. And I started to notice then with my own clients, coaching clients, these themes on obstacles and hurdles that get in the way of being high performing. And that's when I started to research what are the hurdles that everybody experiences that prevent them from getting the results being high performing and being all in in their life. Yeah. And that's where Thoughtfully Fit came out with six hurdles that everybody struggles with. And uh, the model came alive. 
That's incredible. I, it sounds like you're talking, I mean, politics, you're talking a lot about chest pounding there. You know, it, it sounds like that's the typical, <laughs> you roll your eyes. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, <laughs> Darcy had the best eye roll I've ever seen in my life. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, you know, people are challenging in general. We're human, we're flawed. And yet there is something about in politics where it seems uh, to be amplified and in 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 some cases even more toxic for sure and it's not just men too it's men and women that seems to be the same approach yeah which uh which two u.s presidential campaigns I worked for President Bill Clinton, and then I worked for uh, Al Gore for his presidential campaign, ending with 38 days in Florida working on the presidential recount, if you remember. Oh, yes, back in 2000, yep. Versus Bush, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a lovely moment in our history, wasn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was on the front lines. uh, Talk about emotions. For sure. Oh, whoa. No doubt. No doubt. That's interesting how you're saying that they'd have all these things that they want to accomplish. And I caught something in what you said that it seemed like for the most part, at least going into it, a lot of these individuals, maybe they might've been self-delusioned or some of them a little narcissistic, but at the same time, it sounds like a lot of the politicians really had something they genuinely wanted to change for the good. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And, and and let me be clear, Rick, that this wasn't only the politicians, but this was constituents who were coming in to lobby the senator on things that they cared about, Social Security yeah. reform or health care. This was staffers. This was uh, congressional aides in other offices and workers at all of the federal agencies. So it, it, it wasn't even just the, the, the principal. It's and it goes beyond that. We're human and we aren't always trained to know how to interact when we're passionate about something and when there's conflict and when life gets hard. Yeah, for sure. So is that, I mean, there's a lot of conflict in politics, right? And your book is a lot of, it's a lot about this, but I know you even go into the trauma of your ex-husband in there too, but around the politics stuff, with all the chest thumping and everything, where did you see that they could, I'm sure there were moments, right, that you witnessed that the candidates were thoughtfully fit in in those moments, right? I mean, especially because if you worked on Bill Clinton's campaign, I mean, the dude won, right? Al Gore didn't win, but Bill Clinton won two terms, which- was incredible you know as a president himself i thought he did a fantastic job actually as i thought he was a good president you know advanced a lot of very very good things and you can tell that he had good good initiatives good intentions you know where were those moments to where you felt wow this dude is actually really present right now well i'll tell you what you're right and regardless of what you think about his politics and whether you are a democrat or republican yeah set that aside I remember I was preparing and doing advance for a, a rally and I, I, I worked full time creating these 15, 20, 30,000 person events. And at the end of one rally, it was in De Pere, Wisconsin, President Clinton came up afterwards and shook my hand and said, thank you. And there was chaos all around. And I felt like I was the only person in the world in that moment for that handshake, for that 30 seconds. 
that's a gift to be that present. Yep. Yeah, right on. For sure it is. I would notice that too. And it's, uh, I've even instituted a little form of his, his handshake too, because a lot of people, when I'm really focused on them, it won't just be a handshake for me. It'll also be kind of like a, a grab on the upper shoulder area too, to bring them in close, just to help them feel. It's like, I'm really focused on you right now. I'm very present in this moment. And then I saw him doing some of the same things. You know, it's like, that's, it's a tool for me, you know, as I'm sure it was for him. And obviously, Obviously, it made you feel good in the moment too. Well, absolutely. And, and, and I love that you are looking at ways, how do you connect and be present? And, you know, that's one example um, of when it was sort of calm and positive. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one more quick example. The, the U.S. Senator that I worked for in Wisconsin, Herb Cole, he was in office for 24 years. I ran his Madison office for 12 years. We were going to an event on the, the, the Capitol Square in Madison. And just as he was being introduced, to go up on the podium some protesters took over and they went up on the podium took over and they're yelling and screaming and of course uh myself and the other staffers who are there are looking at him like do you want us to go you know get the police get him he's like no no just let it be they have something to say let them say it yeah. and he just smiled and listened and they realized they weren't going to get a ruckus. They weren't going to get arrested, right? They, they wanted to, to have something. And so they calmed down. They got off the stage. He went up and then they started to yell at him. And he just calmly said, you know, I, I respectfully listen to you. I'd, I'd love to have the same respect that you listen to my message. And they did. It was a beautiful example wow. of being thoughtfully fit. That's amazing. One that I can remember too. And, you know, cause like you said about president Clinton, you know, no, regardless of your politics, there's just certain things that you can't ignore, which is why I'd say that he is, he, in my opinion, he was a good president, you know? And I look at even with his successor, George W. Bush, I remember watching on, on video, I've seen this where he was notified what was going on with the nine 11 attacks. And he was reading books to children <laughs> in preschool. And at the, in that moment, he, he also remained present with them and went back to finish the book rather yes. than getting up in a scurry and, and giving the kids like the, the impression that they're not important. He did the opposite of that in the moment and said, I'm here with you right now. We're going to finish this. What's another three minutes in this moment? Because these kids from here on out are going to watch how I'm going to handle the next seven years. And I need to be a good example right now and present for them. It's a perfect example. And at the core of thoughtfully fit, just like if you're physically fit, you have a yeah. strong core, you can, every movement's easier, right? Yeah. At the core of thoughtfully fit are three simple steps. You pause in the moment and think, ask yourself some thoughtful questions. How do I want to show up right now? What's most important in this moment? And then you act thoughtfully. And that example where you have George W. Bush there was definitely a pause and it a was. thing. You can see it on video. Yeah. You can see it on video. Yeah. And he acted very thoughtfully instead of what well, I just had a client say to me recently. She said, Darcy, I do the steps backwards. I act impulsively and then i pause and think oh i shouldn't have done that <laughs> <laughs> no doubt that's great it's really cool too and we can uh, you know move past this part of the conversation with this but you look back at some of the presidents too and you see like some of the best of friends you look at george hw bush who preceded president bill clinton you know and they were the best of friends and how they went on to do humanitarian missions i mean a, a, a hardcore republican and a hardcore democrat joining forces because they both have the good intent 
intentions. And then, of course, George W. beyond that, too, is good friends with the Clinton family as well. You know, they've made close contact for that. Things went a little bit off as far as maintaining that that uh, momentum through the friendships over the years with Barack Obama, unfortunately, you know, and he's not as connected. But it's almost like a, you've been through what I've been through. And in those moments, too, we can see where we've made our mistakes, pounded our chest where we weren't thoughtfully fit. And now let's take another pause after that and say, how are we going to handle this after our terms? Absolutely. And that's, I mean, my vision is to create a world where people are thoughtfully fit because we have Black Lives Matter protests, social unrest, strong opinions about wearing masks, not wearing masks, vaccines. There's a lot and people get worked up. And if if we can handle that conflict and differences opinion thoughtfully, we can get to a place, I think, as a society that's better than when there is this, you know, shutting down and overreacting and impulsive, you know, anger at somebody who disagrees. It's okay. You disagree. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out where we want to go thoughtfully. For sure. President Bill Clinton disagreed with his predecessor, George H.W. That's how he won. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But then after that, they're like, hey, you know what? This was great. We both have good things. Let's do good things for humanity. And then then that's what they did every time. Every time. I I remember seeing the TV commercials with both of them sitting side by side, golfing after, you know, it was just incredible. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, You had an experience in your life, too, that also contributed to your book, your husband's arrest. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, Rick, it was it was horrible. It was the most awful moment of my life. Uh, So I was at an event and I got a phone call from my neighbor and she said, Darcy, what's going on at your house? And I'm like, I I don't know why I'm not I'm not at home. There's a SWAT team. There's 40 or 50 police cars. They've got guns. They're surrounding your house. And they just took out John in handcuffs. He was barefoot. He wouldn't look at us. I'm like, what? Wow. My husband, what are you talking about? He was arrested that day. Um, he was a full-time stay-at-home dad to our two daughters, who at, the, who at the time were eight and nine. And he was arrested for sexual assault of a minor he had met online. He never came home. The trial and the legal proceedings took a year and a half. He was wow. sentenced to 10 years in prison. And in that moment my world turned upside down. And all of a sudden I became ground zero to test drive thoughtfully fit. I had, I had finalized it Rick five days before, literally after years of research. And my attorney said, I had to hire an attorney that the charges were so severe. There are media trucks in front of the house. I mean, it, you know, his picture yeah. was all over the news and um, mugshot. My attorney said, Darcy, don't talk to anybody about anything. Don't talk. You need to hunker down and so all of a sudden, I, I became my own client to use Thoughtfully Fit to pause and think in these you know, situations where I was blindsided and I had more people problems than I ever could have imagined. Wow. When you got that phone call, how did you feel in that moment? Oh, oh. I mean, my heart's racing right now, Ryan. Uh, sorry, Ryan. I was talking to you earlier, your producer, <laughs> Rick. Uh, I mean, yeah. panic, fear, disbelief. Um, my, my first thought was, where are my girls? Where are my, where are my girls? Are they safe? What? Uh, it, it was like time was in this warp. And when, so when my neighbor 
called um, and I didn't know what happened. Um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be right home. And on my drive home, the, the detective called and said, we just wanted to let you know, we have detained your husband and we want to see where your girls are and make sure that they're safe. I don't know where my girls are. It's 2.15. My husband takes care of them. They should be on the bus on the way home. But I don't know if they have a play date or if they have gymnastics, right? I panicked. I mean, it was really, in that moment, very challenging to pause. Mm -hmm. And after sort of overreacting and and spiraling, that's when I I pulled over my car, literally, and just said, pause, think. Okay, Darcy, think. What? Breathe. There is no good that's going to come from you being in this emotional hyper state. You need to be calm and you need to figure out how to handle this. What's the next move? Wow, goodness. So after you figured out, what were those next steps that you took? Oh, well, so first thing I did is track down where the girls were and made yeah. sure that they were safe. And when they got off the school bus, I had my neighbors just grab them. It happened to be St. Patrick's Day. Uh, they grabbed them. Hey, do you want to go get green shakes? So that the girls wouldn't see they, you know, they, they're up on a, a, a block away where the school just drops them off. They wouldn't see the, 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 the 50 cars and the officers and the guns. So first steps were to take care of the girls. The police were executing a search warrant in my house. They wouldn't let me in. It took, uh, I don't even know, five hours until I was able to get in. And so the first thing I did was drove to a library and checked out a room so I could find a place to just just breathe and just to just literally pause because everything was spiraling. And that's where then I I called a friend who was an attorney and I said, I need help. I don't know what's going on. And um, that started then, you know, the, what was a, a long painful journey to discovering uh, the, you know, the, what my, my husband was arrested for to, having to figure out how to run my business while being yeah. a full-time mom, while getting groceries, while driving them to haircuts, all the things that, uh, in our, we had a very non-traditional marriage and I know you support a lot of women business owners. Right on, yeah. I could have a successful business because of what my husband did on yeah. the home front. So it was a lot for me to figure out how to manage and navigate all of that on my own. Sounds like he was pretty supportive too during those years. Oh, he was incredibly supportive, incredibly supportive to me and to my daughters. It was his passion. It was his purpose in life. But sadly, he had this double life and it it really, it it destroyed him. Wow. There's a, I was on a show yesterday with a psychiatrist too, and he had a phrase too. It's a forgiveness is accepting the apology that you'll never receive. (laughs) And it was important in that moment when I felt it, I was like, I just, I, as he said it too, because I, I love having people on the show like you, because I can go through things and you challenge me, you know, and yeah. like he did yesterday. But I wanted to share that with you today because yeah. that's probably your circumstance. Oh, that's and, beautiful. I will say, I, I mean, I have come to a place of complete forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, we are now um, divorced. And we have been co-parenting in the best way we can with uh, him in prison. I have 100% sole custody, but 
every child psychologist I talked to said, if the children are not at risk, they're not at harm, which thankfully they never were. Yeah. It's always in the best interest for them to have a relationship with an incarcerated parent. And so hmm. I made a decision to um, move through this. Uh, now, thankfully I did get an apology. Um, John felt horrendous about what he did. He was out of control. And um, I chose to move forward with a relationship and redesigning it in the way that would work for our family without um, the, the normal structure of a family where he's home and we're married and right. He's co-parenting. Um, yeah. And my daughters have, have forgiven their dad and we visit him. I mean, pre COVID uh, visit him at prison and they talk on the phone and they write letters Oh, that's so awesome. How did your book, because you are the living, breathing example of the book that you wrote, how did your book help you design and create that new life for yourself? Well, it's funny, Rick, because I, I knew I wanted to write a book on Thoughtfully Fit, yeah. right? So it all came alive. Five days later, my life blew up. So it took a while before I was ready to tackle writing the book. Of course. Um, that makes and I, yeah, right. <laughs> a few things to deal with. <laughs> I wrote this amazing thing that's going to help me right now, but I'm going to throw it on a shelf because, <laughs> no, I get you. But that's that's what you a lot of people do is they'll isolate in those moments because a lot of the, the things that are surrounding you are overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. They're overwhelming. So by the time then that I decided, okay, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm ready to, to tackle and write this book, I hired some consultants and we did a two-day writing retreat to, how, to write the book proposal so that we could pitch it because I really wanted to get a traditional publisher. I didn't want to self-publish yeah. if at all possible. And at the end of the first day, I was like, this is so good. Oh my God. The, the, the talking about the target market and the, the comparable titles and how all of this, you know, how I'm going to market it. I said, after I write this book about Thoughtfully Fit, I really want to write a book about John's arrest. And because this model really helped me navigate that and, and come through the other side with forgiveness. And my life is working and my daughters yeah. are healthy and my business is thriving. And the two consultants, they looked at each other and they smiled. And they're like, Darcy, this is that book. I'm like, no, no, no. This book is about the model, about thoughtfully fit. No, this is that book. This, you, you can tell about the model and all that, but you need to share how this helped you in your story. Like, what did you do when a, another mom called you and said, if I find there were pictures of my daughter and the police, I'm sending the mafia to your house. How did you handle that? Right. How did you navigate the, the, the crises, not only the big one of the arrest, but then all the ones that came as a result yeah. of that? So I accepted the challenge and that's what the book became. That's awesome. So you had this amazing thing that you wrote. And then because of your experience, it was amplified, which is pretty yeah. cool. Imagine all the people now that you're able to touch and help because of this experience you've been through. That's incredible to me because it's, a, I love how, if you want to call it God, the universe, whatever your source is, lines things up in lives, right? And, and it's not like anyone or anything ever intended you to go through this, 
right? That, that wasn't it. That wasn't the design, but it was taking what you had to go through from somebody else and creating something good out of it. That's amazing, Darcy. Yes, and and to me that that's at, that's the essence of thought play fit. We don't control what happens. We don't control crises. We don't control when we get laid off. We don't control when we have a client that's angry, right? A cancer diagnosis, and a global epidemic, uh, you know, pandemic. But we do control how we respond to it, and that determines what happens next and how many times have you heard stories of people who have lost a leg and they say i'm happier now i would do it again what are you kidding i will say that the, the 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 awareness that i have the compassion that i have that you know going through this tragedy i would never have had access to without it yeah i don't doubt that for one bit provides hope for other people, right? Of course, of course it does. For your fans and listeners who are experiencing some kind of, whether it's trauma, big, or or even just small conflicts, like, oh, my neighbor annoys me. There's hope that you can get through that and you can be in a place where the relationships can be improved, where you can be handling yourself thoughtfully, where you can have forgiveness, where you can be overwhelmed and over functioning <laughs> for sure what was one of your lowest points during those years you know even during the trial times well i'd say probably the lowest point was when i made the decision to move my daughters five hours away in another state to go live with my sister i enrolled them in school there i gave her legal custody because the the story uh, after my husband was arrested, there were multiple more uh, additional arrests of other suspects. And every time there was another arrest, my husband's mugshot was. So this wasn't a 48 hour news cycle and went away. This kept going. And I realized this is not safe for my daughters. This is not where they need to be worried about. I didn't, I was scared when I'd open the newspaper. I still do get a delivered newspaper to my driveway that they'd see his mugshot and the nightly news, his mugshot. And so that was probably the most difficult thing ever because the child psychologist said as much as you can keep life the same for them. And so they said, so, so when I said, okay, I, I, I get that but let me tell you what they're dealing with. And I'd, and I'd lay out this other like, Oh yeah, you got to move them. You got to get them out of Dodge. And so taking them away from their church, from their neighbors, from their 4-H, from their Girl Scouts, right? From their mom. It it was horrible. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. I hired a a crisis communications firm and she said, Darcy, you can do what's right or what's easy. And, and this is not going to be easy but it's what's right. That was hard. The second thing that probably was the hardest for me, my instinct, Rick, I mean, I'm all in in my life, my business. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. My instinct was to work harder. I had tens of thousands of dollars of bills and growing by the day, my crisis communications um, person, the, the president of the company, she said, Darcy, you need to take time off. What? I can't take time off. You need to take time off to deal with this trauma, to get your head right, to to handle. And I said to her, that is opposite of any instinct I have right now. 
and I hired you to advise me. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you, but I disagree. She was 100% right for me to hit the pause button on my life and deal with all of this, I think is part of the reason that I am in a place of forgiveness and, um, and recovery from, from that because I didn't sort of, my instinct was suppress it, right? Keep working, put on the happy face, taking a pause on working and life and, and being a mom, even my sister, thank God she was so wonderful in her family. That was hard. Yeah, for sure. They were, your crisis management person was turning you back to your own book. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Did did she read it? (laughs) Exactly. At that point, it wasn't written yet. Did she Uh, hold it up and, oh, Darcy, (laughs) your words. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I I love how the experiences can actually turn us back because I feel at our core, always at our core, like we know what to do. We really do, you know, because we've had the right advice throughout the course of our life. We've seen circumstances. We've had the experiences, even if it's something that we've really never been through ourselves. We we have the resources around us, typically, if we just open our eyes to be able to have those people speak into our lives. And it's interesting because most of the time they're not telling us anything we don't already know. Yeah. right they, they they speak and it's like and then it just wells up inside and it's like oh yeah so it's more of a validation which should help most of the time help you trust yourself more too if you can yes. look at it from that perspective and saying what these people are telling me it's stuff that i've thought about for so long but i've suppressed it wow yeah. i really do know what's right for myself i really should trust myself and it's so fascinating rick that you say at the core we yeah. know what to do. The core of thoughtfully fit is three steps. You pause, think, and act. That helps you to be able to access that core, right? You have to hit the pause button and think, what do I control right now? What do I not control? What are my choices? So that you can act thoughtfully. I mean, that it's beautiful. You just said at the core, you know what to do. If you give yourself the space and the time and the permission to be able to access that instead of just impulsively acting in the moment based on the emotions and based on those first sabotaging thoughts, right? Because something happens, we have thoughts. And those thoughts, if you can pause and recognize, are these thoughts serving me or sabotaging me? Don't act if they're sabotaging you, right? If somebody sends you an email that's criticizing you and your first thought is what an idiot and you act on that, you're going to pound out a response, right? And hit reply <laughs> or reply all and make things worse. Yeah. So in that moment, you, you, you have your first thought, oh, what an idiot. And then pause and think, okay, how is that thought serving me or sabotaging me? Don't act on that. What do I need right now? What's in my control? Well, I could react impulsively and make this worse, or I could get curious and I could acknowledge the person and say, hey, it sounds like you're really angry with me. I'm so glad that you let me know. Could I give you a call and we talk about this? Yeah. And then the whole trajectory of that relationship goes a different way. (laughs) That's incredible. I've been in these places in my life before too, where I've had these loops of self-sabotaging thoughts, you know, and I had to become more self-aware and pull myself out of that. You know, but how do you as a coach 
help people break those loops like, like I was in to where you constantly have these self-sabotaging thoughts and you just go in circles in your head and never make any movement either. Oh, absolutely. So, you know what I call those self-sabotaging thoughts? Thoughtfully fit is all based on this, this metaphor of being physically fit. If you want to be physically fit, you need to train and practice. You, you can't wake up on Saturday and just decide to do a marathon any more than you can wake up and decide to be thoughtfully fit if you haven't been training and practicing on how to handle yourself, how to pause in the moment, right? So that you can think and respond. So when you, if you ever go to a, a football game, right? Collegiate football game or a pro game, you see the opposing team talking trash, right? This trash talk, you're going down. That's their job. Now you don't see the football players trying to shut them down and trying to say, you know, stop doing that. You see them getting trained on really clear focus. What's my mission? What do I have to do right now? We have our own inner trash talk, those self-sabotaging thoughts, that inner trash talk. What it's not about like shutting it down and saying don't because it's it's our humanity right it just happens we're human instead it's about choosing to focus where am i going to put my attention and what do i control right now and i'm not okay that trash talk nope not gonna listen to that those self-sabotaging thoughts are gonna lead to sabotaging actions that's the the kicker right there <laughs> yes. If they keep coming, then you start taking the actions that don't serve you either. And that's absolutely the, that's because your thoughts dig, keep digging yep. the hole <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> deeper and deeper. Yep. <laughs> you got it. Cause your thoughts lead to your actions. Yeah. And your actions, of course, determine your results. So if you've got those self-sabotaging thoughts, that inner trash talk, you get an opportunity to, to do something and you say, Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not good enough. I don't know how that is going to, those thoughts are going to lead your actions and you, you decline that amazing opportunity. And the result is you stay stuck in status quo versus when you can recognize, pause in the moment and think, okay, are those thoughts sabotaging me? I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. What other choices are there what other options are there how else could i think about this yeah. well i could think maybe they see something in me i don't see right maybe this is exactly the opportunity i need to be all in and then with those new thoughts that are serving you you act and say i would love to explore this opportunity does any training come with it <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you help me a little bit, please? You know, it was hard enough to make the decision to make a shift in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you, yeah. And I, I, I did a solo episode a little bit ago and it was about, you know, you're really not going to even know what those are because it, what those next steps are until you take that first step, until you make that choice, until you stop the loops that are in your head and actually choose to move in the direction that you know in your core is right. And you'll never be able to see beyond that choice until you actually make the choice. You are absolutely right. And I'm a coach. I'm an executive coach, a leadership coach, a life coach, right? I coach a lot of people. And what you said about 10 minutes ago, Rick, was so powerful. You said, 
we know our own truth. We know what to do. When I'm coaching somebody, I'm not a mentor. A lot of times people hear, oh, we have a coaching culture at our business. They have a mentoring culture. If you're a mentor, you're the expert, right? So if I'm mentoring you, well, let me tell you, Rick, what you need to do. I've been there. I've done that. When I'm coaching somebody, I don't have any idea. You're the expert. And Thoughtfully Fit is all about giving you the training plan to be able to access that expertise so that you can know and tap into what do I need to do here. And you're right. Until you take that time to think about and take that first step, the other ones are not going to reveal themselves. Yeah, right on. Darcy, I enjoy every single word that's coming out of your mouth today. <laughs> it's incredible. Thank you so much. I want to tell everyone where to find you. Thought, Thoughtfully Fit is available on Amazon and everywhere. Yep. And your website. Yeah, everywhere. Yep. Right on DarcyLuoma.com. D-A-R-C-Y-L-U-O-M-A.com. And Instagram. Follow Darcy because you're going to want to. And it's uh, you'll thank me later. At Darcy Luoma Coaching. Thank you for being on today. This is absolutely incredible. Oh, Rick, it is such an honor. I love what you're putting out in the world to help people be all in. And to be here with you is fabulous. And if I could, can I take 10 seconds to share one more Go thing? If it, you're yeah. listening. Thoughtfully Fit is based on the top six hurdles that I see people experience getting in the way of them being successful. If anybody wants to go to thoughtfullyfit.com, there's a free quiz. Two or three minutes, they can take the quiz and it'll spit out what your biggest hurdle is and then some strategies and a training plan on how to overcome it. That's awesome. I love it. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> That's cool. So look for my email. That's yeah, in there. I love it. Thank <laughs> you. so cool. Darcy, thank you. Such a pleasure, Rick. I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you.